Hi everybody and welcome to the In The Cells podcast. The things have been a bit deja vu from this morning, but we're here and we're ready. Joined by William and Ross, how are you both? Good mate, all good. Aye, no bad, no bad. Uh, I've uh, got my first Saturday off the morning in two weeks, so I'm quite happy I don't need to dive out of bed tomorrow morning and I'm here to have a couple of beers and talk Celtic with the boys. 100% and I do want to say to everyone what's along, happy St Patrick's Day. Oh, Hope we're all having a good one. Whatever you're doing, drinking, probably land sleeping somewhere, enjoy it, have fun, and then recover tomorrow watching Celtic play. But as you said, like, well, actually, before that, our show sponsor, Sharna, get involved, Coven <laughs> Brand, football in the terraces, all that type of stuff for your 10% off. Description, <laughs> description in below. And also a big shout out to, I think, get this out, Lurgan Celtic, our podcast partner, send over this lovely bit of merchandise. Great to have the support of the guys from Lurgan Celtic as well. Plenty Thanks, more to man. come on that front. But to come to you, Ross, now I thought it'd be a fitting way to talk about Scott Brown to start off. Obviously, we're playing Hibs. Him and Lustig are doing the Hydro, basically their farewell, farewells to the Celtic Football Club. And we'll kickstart it right back when, and that's when the 4.4 million deal happened. There's still the Scottish record, I believe, between two Scottish clubs. What was your thoughts on the man, the captain, the leader, the legend of Scott Brown at that time? When he initially came in, um, yeah, I was I was excited. Obviously, at the time, there was a bit of sort of rumours going about that it was between Celtic and Rangers. Rangers were in from, obviously, he chose Celtic. I was delighted when he came to the club. Obviously, when he came in, he was still very raw, but his performances for Hibs and even against us. He had some good battles with Neil Lennon when he was playing for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was always impressed by him. At that time, when he was playing with Hibs, he was really dynamic. He was in your face. Don't get me wrong, he was, he was in your face when he came to Celtic as well. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he was really dynamic, box to box, just a real, uh, like a real nuisance, if you like. Um, and Neil Lennon and him had a, a few set twos, like I say. But uh, he came into Celtic and he didn't have the best start for reasons that we all all know. Yeah, uh, yeah. But that that first while, it was always you you were wondering when he was next going to be sort of missing a game due to too many bookings or whatever. But through time, he took that without losing that bit of bite, if you like. He did take that silly bookings out his game, but that comes with. Um, experience and age, you sort of mellow. Uh, I've still to do that, but uh, him. <laughs> well, that's, that's definitely true. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but hey, uh, I, I mean, like I say, when he came in, I thought he was going to be a really good signing for us. I didn't think he would be as good and as colossal as what he turned out to be, and give us as many years of service. But that's what he done, and he was an absolutely outstanding player and captain for Celtic and probably the biggest compliment I could sort of pay him is he was our version and at that time Scottish football's version a Man United a Man United's Roy Keane he was just that mm. big a figure at the club in terms of a captain people looked up to him every player that came in Scott Brown you knew Scott Brown he was the captain there was that respect, he, dem- he commanded respect and he got respect and th- that's what Roy Keane done, uh, as much as 
I lean towards Arsenal and I always preferred Patrick Vera because of Arsenal. Roy Keane's been the best captain in English Premier League history and I think you could probably send that towards Scott Brown as well. I think that's true. I mean, the Roy King comparison is probably spot on, Ross, in terms of what he brought to the club, and especially <laughs> in the latter years when he changed his role. But, Willie, I mean, Alistair Jackham's in here. I was buzzing, don't forget Tommy Burns' part of the deal, 100%. And also, as well, it was rumoured to be between, or even both, Kevin Thompson and Scott Brown right. at that time, a double a double deal. Do you think it's, it's I mean, dividends that we got the best part of that, that bargain? <laughs> I, know, I know Kevin Thompson were on to have a career end and injury, but Scott Brown, I mean, days, like years, levels, like, Yes, I'm glad. I was actually going to talk about that because at the time I remember it was it was it was like it was going to be one or the other, and, and I remember thinking I would prefer Thompson at the time. Shows what I fucking know. Um, <laughs> but I I think Ross was spot on with um, <clears> the <throat> man using the word dynamic. That's exactly what he was. Uh, Austin Forward was great. He obviously changed in, in the tail end of his career. And, Four point four million is a lot of money. It's even it's like a lot of money for us to spend now. Never mind back then. And uh, I can never remember, I can never actually remember questioning that amount of money uh, at the time. No. Is where I would I probably would now. Um, I know I always have a go at you, Stephen, for SPL watching. But uh, if I spend a million on another SPL player now, you'd be uh, you'd be surprised. So uh, is that it's interesting. But I mean, four point four million. Well, probably the best four point four million we'll ever spend. What a career he's had at Celtic. Um, he's right up there with the, some of the biggest icons in the club for me. What he achieved, and uh, yeah, there's not much more you can you, you can say about the man. Uh, but to start off with, I dynamic, powerful drive. Uh, I he was great at that side of things. But uh, when he changed his role, oh geez, oh what a player! Oh, he, he turned out to be magnificent. And, and you, you say early on, like early on, he won the Player of the Year t- 2008-2009 season. And I remember, like, with Gordon Strachan, sometimes playing him on the right-hand side. Remember, they used the ball up down the right wing or an attacking midfield type role. But then, Ross, fast forward a wee bit, Tony Mowbray comes in, and, like, a disaster. Like, that man, take it on the chin, Mowbray. Do you know what I mean? But he made one right choice in all the clouds and stuff. And even Brown, I thought, funny enough, admitted it himself. He thought it was too early for him to get the captaincy. But it was a masterstroke. It brought the club together, and then it paved the way. For Neil Lennon's kind of first spell in charge, having that kind of mainstay in the team. And as you, you pointed to, even through the struggles at the start, we all know why, family issues and stuff like that. Then he bedded himself into the team, European football, playing consistently well in the, in the league, getting the captaincy. Were you surprised at the time? Or who would have been your choice in that Mowbray team? I mean, we weren't littered with options. Um, I, I don't know. It's hard to try and remember. Well, I'm, I'm, no, I'm trying to think what the, the squad was then because it was so poor. Um, that was terrible. But there wasn't a great deal of choice. But I mean, maybe it was too early for him. But it's difficult to think back that far if I felt at the time it was too early. But it, it certainly proved uh, in the fullness of time that it, it wasn't too early for him. And he, he, he was a tremendous captain, one of the best that we've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I know, I know what you're saying, obviously, but you look at it, Willie, what was he, 20, he finished us 36, he was probably 24, 25 when he got the captaincy. I mean, it doesn't sound young in terms of that, Nick, but that's, it is not bad. In, t- in terms of the squad, you're probably looking at, I don't know, who who was our centre-back? I can't remember, was it Rodney? Was, was McManus away at the time? Then, I. That's what happened, McManus left, and that's why the captaincy was up. Uh, 
You put Brown in. Then the, I think they still had Maloney at that time. Uh, Rasmussen, King came in on loan and all that type of shit. I'm not keen on Chief. Adam Vargo. See for me, Adam, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I'm just old school, but for me, your captain should be a centre half or centre mid. Mm-hmm. That's it. I agree with that. <laughs> Goalkeeper, no. Nah, I'm not having that. Nah, but as what Ross was saying, <laughs> Scott Brown getting captaincy, masterstroke. Absolutely, like you said, it's um, he's one of our greatest ever captains. I don't think anybody could argue that he's uh, the titles and. And and trophies he's he's won in his tenure, and not just that he, he was captain for ninety percent of that. Uh, and he, he, I I can't remember who said it. I don't know if it was Cal Mack recently that said he's Mister Celtic. He was the one when the players came in. He made them. He, he turned on for like Tommy Burns, and he made them um, realize what Celtic's about and the history and all the rest of it. And um, what a job he did. I mean, we were all talking about when he left that. It was a bit of a mess at the time, and I think if Andrew was in sooner, that he wouldn't have went anywhere, and he would have stayed a part of the team, and then and then possibly part of the coaching side. But um, I thought it was a massive loss for us at the time, just for somebody to, to kind of take that mantle. But at the same time, Cal Max came in and and grabbed that with both hands, and he's absolutely running with it. Um, and I don't think Brownie would be where he is now. <coughs> And his managerial career, if he didn't do it, so I mean, it all works out. But I'm glad he's getting this um, this hydro day because he's not really. I, I seen his interviews uh, mm-hmm. the other day, and he was talking about how he didn't really get a send off, and um, he went off injured to Nab when Aberdeen came and played us, and he got a standing ovation, and he kind of said that I, I didn't feel it was. I thought it'd be disrespectful if I kind of acknowledged it, um, considering the away fans, Aberdeen fans, had travelled, and he said I thought it'd be a bit disrespectful, so I didn't kind of. Acknowledge it, I take it in, so I'm glad he's getting his moment in the sun now, because, by God, if anybody deserves it, it's him. Yeah, it was quite disheartening, I remember seeing them pictures he put up when he was leaving, sitting on the ball and, and uh, an empty stadium. No fans, it, it, it no fans and obviously the disaster that season. Alistair Jack wanted to remind us who was in that squad centre-pack, Josh Thompson, yeah, Glenn Leuvens <laughs> and Joyce Hoyfield. Wow. Patrick McLaughlin was in. I mean, one of Brown's early games for your hearts at Sally Park. We won 4-0. I'm sure he scored. He was superb beside Denali that day. Yeah, he had early promises. As Ross alluded to the start, he was dynamic, he was fast, and that, that changed throughout the years. And I want to talk about some of the, the challenges that Scott Brown faced player-wise, Ross. And the first one really comes to mind, is the most famous, where the Bruni was born against El Hasjou. El Hasjou is, I don't know, he's an absolute animal, like, to, to be fair, probably appropriate for what team he played for. Spitting at fans when he played, when he played against us. Against Liverpool, didn't he? He did something like that, mm. and he just he carried that on into his, his his Rangers career. And Scott Brown had his number from day one. Aye, I, I mean absolutely. He he done it. You've probably got to touch on it. I'll no mention names, but he, he done it to numerous guys who came up here, from down south, playing in the Premier League, um, running their mouth off. Obviously, Jeff wanted to come up and be that sort of pantomime villain. Uh, latter stages career, maybe didn't have the legs. Of it. I mean, don't get me wrong, Jeff was a, a, a decent player. You don't go to Liverpool if you're you're no got a bit about you, but I mean, he sort of got that move off a decent few games at a World Cup uh, and he flattered to deceive at Liverpool, but he's came up here, thought he was the big I am and Brown just fucking Absolutely rinsed him. Obviously, didn't he go 
it wasn't like head to head on the park. He wasn't marking him or that because different positions. But uh, when he cut, I mean, I think we're down to ten men at that oh, time wow. at Ibrox Cup quarter right. final. You're looking for a goal. You, you, we started to, get, if I remember right, we we're starting to get a bit of a foothold in the game at that point, even though we had ten men. And you're thinking maybe we could get a, a draw out of this, but it's it's looking difficult. <laughs> but yeah, you're, you're you're thinking you can maybe maybe get a draw out of it, but not for one second did I expect Scott Brown to pop up and curl one into the top corner. But after he does that, not for one second did I think he would stand <laughs> right in front of Jeff's face. He's done some belters in front of the Rangers fans and that, but as shit house that he goes. That was top tier. <laughs> that was fucking top tier. <laughs> it was Juice Face. Do you remember Juice Face when it happened? He was like, Aye. trying to complain to the referee Aye. like he'd done some sort of foul on him. I think it's, I mean, with the likes of Juice, I don't know what it is with these players come up and target Brown, Willie. It seems to be like, I know we're going to come on to another few players as well before we move on from Scott Brown, but for me, that's the mark of the guy. The players would actively target him and come up and try and compete with him. Because even at that time, it was still very, very, very early on in his captaincy, and he was making strides, were winning league titles, winning cups, continued to the end. And like Ross said, the whole El has Duke moment just, for me, propelled him to another level and another sort of love for the Celtic fans. Yeah, I definitely think that was a turning point and and like the fans and um, uh, the love and the relationship between them. It's, I mean, it's an iconic moment. As soon as you say Bruni, it's, it's one of the it's one of the first moments that pop into your head. Um, I think Ross said it was fucking uh, down to ten men, and we were looking down and out, and he pops up with a goal on his weak foot, and it's a cracker of a finish as well. Um, if that's me in a big game like that, we're down to ten men, and you're scoring that goal. I'm in the crowd with the shut off, but no, 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 Bruni. He remembered what happened before, and he's like, "Wait, where is that wee bastard?" <laughs> <laughs> um, I think he was a target. See, to be fair, Bruni, Bruni was he was obviously pretty arrogant as well, but not yeah. in a, yeah. not in the way that the likes of Juve and uh, I'm sure we'll talk about Joy Barton and that as well. And he ran his mouth, but he ran his mouth once we'd done the business at uh, the right times. At, I, at the right times, no, no beforehand and making himself look a silly belly. Uh, and I think he was targeted before that. I mean, like Lennon was obviously targeted. It's, there's, there's, a, there's that between the fans where there's that one player that the opposition just fucking despise. Oh, for fuck yes. Um, yes. I mean, I, like we were the same in a number of players on their side as well. Um, <laughs> Probably is. Uh. Um, but he was, he wasn't daft with it. Like, he's nowhere near Angie's level, but. He's quite clever. He was quite clever with, with the arrogance and knowing when to stick the knife in. Um, and it was after we did the business that he he was kind of taunt, just like he did just uh, that day. So he, he was quite clever that way. Yeah, I mean, he learned that very early on, didn't he? In terms of having to like, respect levels and show his kind of arrogance up the pitch, but do it at the right times. Because before, when he first came in, he was in people's faces. He was slide tackling people. He was up and then trying to fight them and getting bookings, like, like Ross said at the start there. I mean, Jay Thomas talks about El Hans Doof. I'm pretty sure he's like director of football for Senegal. I'm pretty sure he was a pitcher of him at the, the World Cup or something like that, and he was sitting I mean, in the stands. And he must be, I think he has some sort of position in our FA, which is unmantled, to be fair. Like, what a role model. Chief spitter, right? <laughs> if you spit long distance, never mind long distance running, right? Um, Alistair Jack, 
Scott Brown was the player Peter Grant wanted to be. Is that harsh? I don't know. I have never really seen Peter Grant play. Well, well they, used to say, they used to say Paul McStay done the, the hard bits and Peter Grant just done all the wee kind of side passes and all that, but they, they worked together really well. Um, but I, I, I thought, well, I actually watched uh, extended highlights say the, the 90, uh, 95 Cup Final Van Hoydonk against Airdrie. And Peter Grant was my match that day. Mm-hmm. He was absolutely and absolutely outstanding. Obviously, I watched the highlights. What a performance he had! It was it was a moment towards the end of the game. He'd been down injured, and then he, he chased back, and he he was in pain. You could tell he's in pain, and he he, he think with every sinew to get there, make this tackle, uh, and just bounce back up, but then fell total in pain. But uh, Peter Grant was he was just. An out and out Celtic man, uh, and he would have died for the club. Uh, so I, I suppose you, it's difficult for me to say because I never seen Ollie Peter Grant's career because I'm still a wee bit too young. But well, I can remember him. Peter Grant was decent. I mean, to be fair, Ted Thomas says bang on, like, and uh, Patrick McLaughlin, David Hanna was worse than Peter Grant. Oh, again, my knowledge, my knowledge back then is a bit hazy, boys. I think. <laughs> Two or something in '94, whatever. But um, see, to be fair, when I'm coming back to you, like Joey Barton's the next one. Remember the the whole headlines? He was going to be the best midfielder in the country by a long distance. He, he won Player of the Year at Burnley, I believe, on the promotion chase back to the Premier League when they got promoted. It's one of these ones with Barton. He was the it's Ross said equivalent to Roy Keane. He was the equivalent to Brown in my eyes in terms of what what Burnley had down south. That kind of arrogant midfielder. But that first game when we stuffed them at that parkhead, the tricolour at the, the Green Brigade end, Moose at the belly running rats, Scott Brown running rings around Jerry Barton. It it because them other seasons, people were saying he was dropping form. He was losing it, he looked slow. Rogers came in, fixed him up again. And I think my personal opinion, he he played his best football on the Rogers. Um I maybe agree with that. I think it was definitely a dip. But I mean, there was a dip with everybody with fucking Mowbray and all that coming in. Um, but Rogers definitely. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Ronnie Dilly as well. That that type of era yeah, yeah. when when he was. Yeah. But I mean, Rogers came in and he did it with a number of players. He did it with Forrest as well. Forrest was everybody's scapegoat, and he turned him into an absolute baller. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. And that's exactly what I'm talking about after that game as well. Bruni never said a word before it. All the headlines were Joey Barton running his mouth before he's even kicked the ball, and. Um, I remember the interview afterwards, and Bruni was just saying, saying what Joey Barton said without quoting him. Like, yeah. coming coming up here and going to run that, but we're we're the big boys up here, and you're in our backyard now, son. And we've just taught you a lesson, pretty much. Smacked your bum, pulled your panties down, and smacked your wee bum in front of everybody <laughs> in the telly. Um, and that's what I was talking about. Never said a word before it. Did he's talking on the pitch, and then quite rightly so, stuck the knife in afterwards. Yeah, I think as well he beat he beat uh, Barton with Fleetwood against his team down there as, as, as well. Right, right. I think, I think, I think right. so. I think or I think he did. Yeah, in one of his first ever games for Fleetwood in, in a management purpose. Jed Thomas comes in, Ross. Let's be honest, we all thought Brown was finished, but proved as all wrong. I think the Rogers era was when he started doing that deep role, the deeper role, sitting, sweeping up, playing it easy, and it kind of rejuvenated him. I know in that, that 10 season, he even admitted himself, he was a bit too slow on that, but up until that, he was excellent. I, I mean, I have to agree with you. I, I thought Scott Brown by far played his, his best football under Brendan Rodgers. 
And I think Brendan Rodgers done the right thing straight away before he was even announced at Celtic. He brought, I think, I'm sure he took, I think it might have been London, I'm not sure, but he got Scott Brown uh, down uh, to wherever, uh, had a meal with him, had a meeting, told him what his vision was, told him what he wanted him to be in terms of still be the captain, be the leader and drive the team on. And Scott Brown, like all the players that are playing under Ange now, bought into everything that Brendan Rodgers said. And it helps that Brendan Rodgers was coming off the back of being Liverpool manager. But, I mean, he's a class act, Brendan Rodgers, in terms of, like, management skills and stuff, if you like. Maybe didn't leave Celtic in a class way. But, (laughs) um, aye, you have to say, while he touched not there, James Forrest was... For me, I like James Forrest, but again, Brendan Rodgers took him to another level, and he took a lot of players that Ronnie Dyla had. That was they were performing not bad. They were winning leagues, obviously, which is your bread and butter. But they couldn't quite get the trebles. And I know a couple of refereeing decisions he maybe would have got one treble, but Brendan Rodgers took Ronnie Dyla's team. He he obviously laid the foundations, but you needed somebody to take the players and bring out what they had in them. Ronnie Dyla couldn't do it. Brendan Rodgers did. And Scott Brown, like I say, he bought into everything. He bought into all that. And because he did, all the players bought in along with him. And they followed. That's that's what yeah. Scott Brown made people do, follow. He did. He was an absolute leader. Walking about in Moscow, minus 59, <laughs> whatever it was, in a t-shirt. Like, what's going on in that guy's head? Although I thought he let his character slip when he said he only had the bald head of to kind of persona himself as a hard man, keep the bald head, Bernie. And we all love you. That's, that's what I did uh-huh. as well. I, I could grow mine out if I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think what is it? Twenty-two major honours he's had with him in a Celtic career. Madness, man. Round, round about that, nine consecutive league titles, four consecutive travels. I mean, like to be fair, like he's a club legend, and I think the statue's not far away. What do you, what do you think? I've said in tributes before, I, I don't see why there, there shouldn't be. He's, he's up there with some of the greatest we've ever had. I think he should be up there with the icons of the club. I don't think anybody's won more silverware than he has. Definitely not as a captain anyway, I wouldn't imagine. And um, Yeah, he's just iconic at the club. I, I don't. I, I really, really don't see why there shouldn't be any sort of honour like that. I don't. There's definitely no other captain out there that's won four trebles on the trot. Yeah. Uh, He's been he was magnificent as a captain, especially. Um um to lead the the team the way he did and bring the guys in and bring the guys through it. Everybody always talks about it. And he's he's loyalty as well. We need to talk about like he, he, I mean he came out he said himself after his Celtic career was done that he had options at Spurs and Newcastle, but Celtic stood by him when he was at his lowest and he was going to stand yep. by them and, and that's what he did and that doesn't happen in football nowadays. Even the most, even the, the diehards, as we've seen recently or more recently with Rodgers who was a, a, a fan, obviously, um, when he was younger and uh, and for heartbreak and for me, but I mean, Katie's another one. I know it's a big, a big opportunity, but he's another yeah. one I thought would have stayed for life and it's loyalty in football is no, it's not 
it just doesn't exist nowadays um, like it did in the past and, and I, I think he's got to be commended for that as well and I mean like we say you look back now I mean there's guys that did leave to go down south and uh, they'll be sitting retired now with their feet up and there's not much in their cabinet and Scott Brown's got about four rooms in his house fully um, mm-hmm. what he's done in his career and I think you've got to applaud him for that he has four rooms in his house, spare with El Hasjouf and Joey Barton, and two rooms <laughs> each. They're sitting there, they can't get out. Andrew McLaughlin comes in. I know a few folk who want to burn out or strip up the captaincy after the kebab incident on the street. Again, that, that does, I mean, we're all human. I think sometimes these incidents can be blown out of proportion. He had a kebab sitting on his honkers. We've all done it. After a night out, we've been lying somewhere with a, a half eaten kebab all over the face. It's just being human. Who really cares about it? But I know the big uproar, the, the record and papers like that, Ross, were, were all over it. Pictures, front spread. You know what I mean? It was one of these things about Brownie added to his other issues that he probably didn't need at that time. But like I said to Willie, just to kind of round it off, as Celtic portrayed it when he was leaving, captain leader legend, and that's pretty much how you sum him up. Aye. It, I can't, there's not really much else I can add to that. We've obviously waxed lyrical about him there for a wee bit. Uh, well, he's pouring a pint and it's really loud. I thought he had to leave the screen to fart. Oh, what's going on? <laughs> but, um, aye, there's no, many, no much more I can say about Scott Brown. He was an absolute legend. He is an absolute legend. What I will say, though, is that comment about uh, Scott Brown was Peter Grant, couldn't he be, or whatever it was, I can't mind exactly. Uh, but then, you, we're talking about like statues for Scott Brown, etc. And I get it. I, I do get that. Like you can't argue with the, the the medals he's won and stuff like that. You look at Paul McStay. Was Scott Brown a better player than Paul McStay? If Paul McStay had been the captain, <laughs> and like if he'd been the captain and Brown's era, and Brown been the captain, Paul McStay's era. How, how would we be looking at it? Because nobody's asking for a statue of Paul McStay. But... No, I don't think he would. I think if he was in Paul McStay's area, I don't think I'd be saying that. But I mean, uh, with the titles and the, and the trophies he's won and he was captain, I, I like... I think I'm not trying a... to take it away from him, by the way. No, no, just it's sort a fair, of... no, it's a fair point. Because Paul I, McStay was an unbelievable, an unbelievable player. He, he didn't win the trophies that Scott Brown won. He's a far better player than Scott Brown. But it's... it's, it's it's just your sort of no luck. It's just when you're born. It's timing. Scott Brown came in at Celtic at the right time. It was the right time for Scott Brown, and eventually it was the right time for Celtic and Scott Brown, and he became the captain. And he did what he did. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's too much. <laughs> Just name the bar after them that they've just built in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that could be. Well, I mean, the whole kebab, the whole kebab incident, maybe not, Willie. But uh, like, to, to be fair, like, the, the Bernie himself, I was listening to his press conference and stuff, and I'm lo- I'm loving, to be honest, all the hype around the hydro and stuff. That like, he deserves it, him and Lustig, and being a part of that team, all the honours they won together. And I found it quite interesting when him kind of talking about his uh, predecessor, Colin McGregor, here, that he said that McGregor's addicted to Celtic day in day out and one of the reporters I think asked him about there was people talking about maybe buying someone in or that type of stuff but he knew from the get go that this guy's going to be next to nine for the captaincy sometimes you would think players say that just because they're in that role now and 
all that type of stuff, not exactly telling the truth. But for me, Brownie's being honest here. Cal McGregor has took that captain role on, brung it to his own game. And just like Brownie himself, is just leading by pure example in that pitch with the Postacoglu team. Absolutely. he's What a job he's done. And it's interesting he said that because when he first came into the squad, even the first couple of years, I would never have said he was... Yeah, when he came under dial and he was playing the wing and stuff, I, I, I don't know... Um, if I would have said he's captain material at that point, but I mean he's the career's similar to to Bruni's in a way because he was a dynamic um, midfielder, burst forward, got goals, strong, all the rest of it, energy, and he's kind of drifted further and further back, and he's sitting mm. in that kind of quarterback <laughs> role now, and he um, starts every attack and just everything goes through him, um, and by the sounds of things, he's doing just a good, ju- just as good a job. Eh? making sure the players and whoever comes in knows what Celtic's about. Um and if you're playing for that shirt, it's it's you're not just it's not just your your job. Um you're playing for the fans, you're playing for the club, the history, all the rest of it. Uh he's absolutely taken on what Bruni has and, and ran with it. and I don't think we've testament to Calmac, I don't think we've actually missed Bruni in that sense. Um, I thought, like I said, when we when he kind of left, I, I said that at the time that it was absolutely <clears throat> crazy that we let him go because the club was in turmoil at the, town, at the time and whoever was coming in, whatever manager it was or whoever else it was, we needed somebody in there that was a steady head, like a Tommy Burns that was a stalwart and, and knew what the club was about and could explain. But, I mean, Calmax absolutely taken it, ran on and, and done more. I thought he was a, a dead cert to be the captain. But I mean he surprised he surprised me. I like I thought he would do a good job and lead by example, but he doesn't just do that. He's I mean mm-hmm. absolute complete. Yeah. And again he's one of our own. And we always love to see one of our own come in and and I mean I what a job he's doing. You can't like I can't I think everybody underestimates it. He's he's doing an absolutely tremendous job and I think the biggest compliment you could pay him is in that regard with the leadership. I'm not talking about the playing ability or anything like that because I think I think it's well, I would say Kalmak's a far better player. I'm talking about the leadership and the rest of it around the club. That's the biggest compliment I can play him. I can pay Kalmak is we've not actually missed Bruni in that sense because he's absolutely taken it and ran with it. I mean, to be fair, I, I was probably, I, I know I was different from your, your thought there, Willie, back in when we'd done our early podcast when Bernie was in the midfield. I was adamant that he had to go. Not in a bad way, I just knew he was finished and he couldn't quite, quite keep up with the game. And Aberdeen came in for him and his friend Stephen Glass with him as a coach. And I think that was the perfect match for him. To come to the comments, Patrick McLaughlin, McGregor's the best midfielder to come through our ranks since Paul McStay. Uh, Red Scotland, good to see you, Red, in, in the chat. Bernie Cubillo. Could only be alive when he was alive, and for me, he's among our greatest ever captains, regardless of the era involved. Uh, Red Scotland again, Cal Mack will be a similar legend, in my opinion. It's interesting because remember the shouts when we were talking about this, or also about who could be captain. I'm pretty sure one of Usens, or uh, forgive me, was mentioning Julian in, in that breath, captaincy, and it was mm. you. Never, yeah. please. I was wrong, man. You. Man. I don't want I, I to say it. But you said it at that time. Did you not see it in Cal McLean could be captain just around that time? Um, I have to, I have to be honest and say probably not at the time. Don't get me wrong. 
I felt Carl McGregor had been an excellent player at that up to that point when we were talking about. I thought he was technically really good. I, I still think he's technically a better player than Scott Brown. I think that that's there's no doubt about that. But did I think he could be that voice in the dressing room, that that sort of go to figure? I have to be honest, I didn't think he, I didn't think he could be. I, I felt like Willie's alluded to earlier and I know he's a midfielder, you you want your captain to be a centre-half or a midfielder. I'm exactly like that. But in terms of a midfielder, now the game's changed, but in terms of a midfielder, always in my head, if a midfielder's going to be a captain, he's, he's like an enforcer, if you like, like mm-hmm. a Roy Keane, like a Scott Brown, guys like that, Patrick Vieira. These are all the guys that I grew up watching. They were midfield enforcers. And I know Patrick Vieira had a bit more guile than the other two were talking about there, but he was still an enforcer. He was still that guy. If you were going to have a scrap on the pitch, if it was going to be MD, he would he would have your back. I didn't see Cal McGregor as that type, but he's proved me totally wrong. And within the first, I don't know, couple of months of him being the captain, you watched him in interviews and that, and I think... I was I was starting to really like after that I think oh I, I could be wrong here because the way he was carrying himself and they, I mean it's it's been proven over the last what eighteen months to two years he absolutely is you still to want to learn. you want the bag of the club you want that on the bag by the way I, I would have kept Julian uh, not so much now because we've evolved we've moved on but at the time we had loads of debates. I thought Julian was a, a, a good centre half. I did. But anyway, digressing <laughs> a wee bit there. That's that's <laughs> but uh aye, Cal McGregor has surprised me. Uh, and he's an absolute brilliant captain, I have to say. I was going to say I was I was going to say something else there, but I can't remember what it was, but he's first class. He is. Aye, that's what I was going to say. So in terms of the comparisons with Brown Obviously, Brown's had more longevity as the captain. He's won more trophies. I think Cal McGregor could win as many. Well, he's no far off at the now, but as captain, I mean, in terms of winning trophies as a captain, I think he's laughing at. Someone's calling this the Armoy podcast because he's two year bald. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, is that what it is? Eh? I'm nowhere near yeah. Armoy. I need to shave my head tomorrow. <laughs> have you not seen um, that song that we want a team for the Iron Boys it's like a filter and they're all eggheads what are you talking about sir I think that's what Antonio asked me if you can correct me is that your dream is that your dreaming <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you don't want to know my dreams well you sent me the picture of my dreams oh, right. come on earlier <laughs> right <laughs> on, um, what was I saying uh, aye, so I was then the, the, like the comparison with Carl Mack and Brown this is took a turn like I said Carl, Carl Mack's technically better than Scott Brown as captain I think Carl Mack stays which I think he will he, he could quite easily reach the amount of trophies that Scott Brown won as captain mm-hmm. and I uh, there, there is slight differences, obviously, on the pitch in that Scott Brown was more in your face. I don't think Cal McGregor does that, but Cal McGregor contro- controls the game. He takes control of the game in a, a different way in terms of his ability on the ball. Brown done it vocally and 
in your face, like that sort of like strength, hardness, if you like. Uh, but then I look at them when they were getting interviewed, and Wally, I'm sure it was Wally touched on earlier about how Scott Brown, he always picked the right moment to sort of like have have a have a dig, okay. stick the knife in. I don't think whereas Cal McGregor. I don't think he does that. I think he, as much as I love Scott Brown and I laughed, sometimes when he done, there was wee, like, digs and that in interviews. Sometimes I cringed. I never do that with Callum McGregor. Callum McGregor is, again, it's that, just that wee difference in time. It's Players have changed and you don't see many Scott Browns now. But Callum McGregor carries himself really well and he, he always says the right things and he never... He never wants to have needless digs. He, he had opportunities to do it after the cup final there, and he didn't take it. All I said was, what are you laughing at? <laughs> Sorry, no, go ahead. It's not you. It's not you. He's thinking, about, he's thinking about that picture I sent him. Ah, yes, I. <laughs> hey, all I said was, basically, like we sort of do our talking on the pitch, but move on to Wally, because I'm done here, man. <laughs> no, no, sorry, Ross. I was thinking about what John said. About the, I was thinking about what John said about the plug hole. It does, it does come into the head. <laughs> oh, that, was, that was very good. <laughs> well, 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 Brown, Brown Warrior, before, before you speak, I want to bring this to you as well. I think this is a good point. <laughs> I've been banging the Cal Mag drum since he got back from England. I blame on good sales, but Tansel never hides in games, always available for a pass, and regardless of pressure from the opposing teams. And I think Brown as well alluded to that fact, saying he earned his stripes by going to Notts County. And also, I think that's a good point for younger players, like, for example, Maggie Johnson, that his career might not be over, come back and bet in again. You could actually take your game on another level. Another level. Cal McGregor's done that. Yeah, I absolutely. If you're not getting game time, and the best thing to do is to go and. Nailed it. Fucking hell! I think yeah, he's got any that. idea where there's no reference. I know. No reference. Can't whatsoever he? either. I know you can't, can't even say that. I'm a picture of a dick in my, my dick in the bath, but. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, I think Ross was right about the. And Calmac had ample opportunity in the cup final to come out afterwards, but all he said was, listen, and in the lead-up, it was, listen, we're concentrating ourselves, that's what we're going to do. Um, I don't think Ronnie would have done that at the time, but aye, listen, he went away in, lo- in loan, and his stripes came back. Uh, Ronnie's... <laughs> Everybody hates for joking to Ronnie... Um... <laughs> Fair play to Rory for giving him his chance. And um, yeah, he's been an absolute stalwart and, and he's been the centre of it and we've done since. Uh, I can't come in enough. I think that reckon we'll be in... Uh, hopefully, hopefully we're still going in five, six, seven, eight years' time and I reckon we'll be doing the exact same thing we're doing now for Bruni but for um, Mr. Callum McGregor. No, for fucking taking photos No last day tomorrow. <laughs> Oh no, honestly, it's that dirty pogo. It's a dirty pogo. Hey, do what I did in the quiz and just share, share the picture on the screen, Ross. No, don't share the, <laughs> don't share the picture on the screen. Right, no, I'll, I'll say, I'll not be listening back to this podcast at my work. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking shambles when I see it on my way. 
<laughs> it was only it was only a matter of time. Let's be fair. Everyone knows it we're like on a Friday. It's all good. It's all good. But uh, oh shit! I uh, Cal McGregor, that guy. I mean, <laughs> to be fair, Ross as well. I mean, all the comments are agreeing. Um, <laughs> And Robert Davy must have been a great weekend. Well, um, <laughs> all the comments are a game of Cal McGregor and, and the team. And I thought, like Bernie said, <laughs> I actually thought this was interesting. He was asked who, what player he liked to play with. He picked Atate. He picked Jada. And who, who was the third one? He, he picked another one. Was it Joe Hart? Uh, I, can't, I, Joe, I honestly I can't remember. but I, when you say they two, I can't. I watched it by the interview, too. Kind of mind. Here's one for you. Maybe they can remind us in the comments. Here's one for you. Would it be Scott Brown, McGregor, and Atate, or be a Scott Brown plus one without McGregor? Who would who would start in that midfield free if Scott Brown was in his prime here? I think at Celtic. I, I think if he was in his prime, it would be I Brown and the six. Aye. Hatate aye, McGregor. Aye. Aye. McGregor, really? up, McGregor in front of Hatate. Aye. Aye. I think so. I certainly. Well, you talked about um, Rudy's <clears> best years. Was under Rogers. I think. I, I think you could argue McGregor's best years was under Rogers. He scored a barrel of mm-hmm. goals under Nine. Rogers, and that, that number uh, number ten role getting forward and some of the big goals against Rangers. He scored a big goal in the cup final against Motherwell and stuff as well. He's, I, I thought he was electric the the, like, the two years or so that uh, Rogers was in. Uh, so I think you could argue that he was. And we, you always talk about him. <laughs> well, that's true. You always talk about. On this podcast, a lot of the guys always talk about how they prefer McGregor. Um, Mine's maybe changed now because he's been electric in this number six. Cheers, Jed. And, Cheers, um, Jed. But everybody <coughs> always said they prefer him in that kind of box-to-box role or, or further forward. Um, I thought he was electric in the, the two years under Rodgers, so I would I, I would definitely have Brown Hattati on him. Well, see, what I was going to say, I would probably have that as well, Brown and then Hattati and McGregor. And I was going to ask this, actually, but that the reason I would probably have that three is because going into the Champions League next season, right, if we had the squad, obviously we'll probably sign other people, right? Who that will be, I don't know. But if it was the squad we've got currently, certainly away from home, it'll be bedded in a bit more. I, I think you might see... Ange going with Awata, Hatati and McGregor further forward in, in the Champions League next year, if and when we're there. So that's Aye. similar to that kind of setup. I'm not saying that Awata is brown, we don't know that, but he's, by all accounts, a more defensive-minded midfielder. So that would make us hopefully a wee bit more solid. I think he wanted Adeguchi to be that guy. It never really happened for him. Injuries, etc., Maybe I want Ross, to be Ross, that Ross guy. Ross is just copying my uh, Dan Orovitz podcast murder word for word here. <laughs> was he saying that earlier? <laughs> Literally, word for word, word, what you're was saying. Was he? Oh, I sw- By the way, I'm obviously, I, must be saying, I must be saying that subconsciously because I can't, honestly can't remind you that. That only went up. This is funny. <laughs> Did he genuinely say that? <laughs> he, he mentioned that Gucci like, would have been that guy, obviously. So he, he broke his ankle again. He broke uh, his ankle again with his new club. Shameful. Like, so, do you think then? Do you think Ross and the champ? Your horse is fucked. Do you think in the Champions League, Ross, that it'd be Iwata, Iwata, and McGregor? Is that what you said? Sorry. No, no. Iwata, Hatate, and McGregor. 
Ah, right, okay. Like, Interesting. Definitely, she likes her away from home. I think it was evident that we needed we needed to be more solid. We were too open at times. We get caught out. It was well documented. I, I mean, I don't know if that's the answer, but it's I don't know. But he might even change the formation depending on who he brings in. He might obviously still keep the same idea, but I think I'm fucking paraphrasing fucking Dan again. I'll just leave it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get what you mean. And Brown Warrior comes in, Willie, in regards to I think we need to go for double pivot. With a single pen in front, I think he means probably in European football. I think that may be the way to go, giving the Wada a wee bit more solid in there with mm. McGregor or Hatate and McGregor pushed up or whatever. Um, I don't know. It's a fair point, but I don't think Andrew do that. I don't think he'll change his style, and he's not got what Frost says is. I don't even. I don't. Wada's not an enforcer for me either. He's still a more ball playing. A deep line playmaker, if you like, um, and I just don't think that's Andrew Stella. I don't think he'll get, and I don't think he would buy anybody in to come in and do that as well. And I think as long as Andrew's around, Calmack's going to be the number six. I, I think, yeah. Um, and I just think, I think Moy and O'Reilly have been absolutely tremendous this year. I know what you're saying about we need to watch what we're doing in Europe, but I just think it would be hard to drop one of the two. And I think we had a fan. We've had a fantastic season so far, and if we were just a bit more clinical, we'd be sitting having a different discussion this time. And I just think if we do the same thing this time around, with a slightly better squad, a bit more experience, but we're more clinical this year, I think we can we can do far better than we did last season. But I do take on what people are saying. I understand that we need to sometimes um, kind of protect protect ourselves a wee bit because we're, we're far too thingy on the on the counter um, at times, but. Like seeing these games, if we, I mean, it's hell for leather for the first hour, and if if we get a goal or two at a time, then I think that that's a possibility that we can do that. But I just, I, I just, I don't see him doing it, and I love the rock and roll football we're playing. I just want us to continue to do that. <laughs> when, when, when I was speaking to the Dan Orowitz today, if anyone hasn't watched it, it was live this morning at ten. It's a, you can catch up whenever if you want. <coughs> the Japanese journalist. You did watch it and you paraphrased the majority of it. But uh, <laughs> but me and Dan were speaking about Postacoglu said in January about possibly looking at change of formations because with Marinos, the team he was, was with in Japan, he played a free tag too. Dan was pointing out to me the fact you've got Kobayashi, you've got Iwata and I can play centre-back. There's plenty of flexibility to play that formation. So I think it's a good thing to watch out for if there's a change of system for European football. But Alistair Jack, Fair plenty, a big man, and I hope you're well. Seeing your Twitter post on night, hope all's well with you. You're welcome on here anytime. He has come in, dropping bombs for us. Random question: Does Nakamura get into this team? No. Oh, straight off the bat, not even a man. I don't think he does. No, I don't think he's mobile enough. He's not got the energy. Not got the energy. What not. position are you playing? I don't know. You play him on the right. Well, he's not getting a game, so I'm not playing him anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> right, that, that's it. I reckon, I, reckon, I reckon if Naka was in the team, he'd be playing a David Turnbull and coming on the last half an hour, 20 mm. minutes of games, popping up. Uh, I don't think he's got the end. Uh, no I think you could, put him in the, you could put him in the term role, I think, quite easily. Uh, you probably could, mm. I. I, 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 I Aaron Moy's getting the ball on next year. 
<laughs> but I, I see Nakamura <laughs> as that he's a luxury player, and I said it last week. We've got luxury players. Jota could mm. easily be a luxury player in our team. The way he won the ball back against Hearts, eh, what game was it? Was it the Saturday game or the whatever game it was? He won the ball back and then played it, and it was the game at Parkhead, I think. Alistair's throwing bombs there, boys. Snagging room face to other. Wow. Shit bombs. Oof. That's well, <laughs> well, that's for people to say. But I uh, he's got, I think for me personally, if you have Nakamura on the right, Kaugo for the middle, Jad on the left, that's sexy. Nah, that I is. Think, I think it's the balance goes because Kyogo. Ma- Ma- and, who did you say Ma- on the right? Uh, Nakamura. And who on the other side? Jada. Jo- See, Kyogo and Jota are fast. I think Nakamura would be like here when they two are up here and then the Benedi goes now at the back post because he'd just be trying to hit a free kick. Every time somebody says Nakamura, I just think of that boy. I said, Shuki Nakamura, you fucking doughball. ball. <laughs> 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 oh, no, that's horrible. <laughs> See that wee kid's reaction? It broke my head. I was human. I was fucking human. I wanted to find that guy and kick his back like something. I was the opposite. <laughs> I, was like, I, I, I was the opposite. I was like, you should have punched the kid for not being able to pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. If that was the case, Come. we'd punch Stephen every podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, maybe that's why he resonated with the voice. <laughs> I, every time I every time I comment in our group chat, it's like shut up, you fud. I, I knew where he's coming from. <laughs> but coming to the comments here, Alistair Jack does go back to that. He replaced Jada Red Red Scotland. Well, Patrick Black and Madrick on the left. Nakamura was better than most of our current players. Stoned out all free kicks. Ah, uh, cheers, Stephen. Getting our pal. Great to hear that, Alistair. Great doing the comment Good section man. tonight. I'm Brown Warrior with a left field one. Perlo played the same role, but with an enforcer alongside him at Milan. Normally, Gattuso, Awada could fulfil the same role as Celtic in a 2-1 to setup rather than the last defensive 1-2 we have now. Unbelievable. You're like a tactician, Brown. You come up with some <laughs> theories, man. I love it. I do love it. But we'll, we'll move on. It's a good point. I just don't think we've got... I don't think Awada's an enforcer. I don't think we've got that in the team. If we assign somebody, then I'd be like, I'd be all for it, but I just don't see anybody playing that role on the side. I'm not looking for him to be an enforcer, to be fair. I'm I'm looking for him to be that guy. Very good, he could do. Oh, no, not an enforcer where he fucking goes flying into tackles and things like that, but just that guy that shores it up, maybe just sits back a wee bit when the rest of them are bombing forward. You're, you're going to have Hitati, McGregor in your front three to go and do that. Just have him just sit and in the halfway back. line. When we're pushed up, sat in the halfway line, protect. Aye, the fullbacks as well, aye. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just get three of us to cover the fullbacks. <laughs> I don't know, man. I thank God I'm not the manager. <laughs> <laughs> I'd just be paraphrasing Dan Orlowitz in the changing room. <laughs> Patrick McLaughlin comes in Boric, McGrain Carter Fickers, Melby, Tierney, Lambert, Petrov McStay, Mrazovic, Larson, Nakamura that team would kick ass in this formation I think any team with great players would kick ass in the formation Postacoglu plays because it's rock and roll football like Willie said but We'll move on to some current affairs. I don't know how we got from Scott Brown to three Awadas in the midfield. I, I will. That happened <laughs> in the Unbelievable. <laughs> well, 
Can we free dicks in the bar from Ross Dines? <laughs> free of ours and free twats. <laughs> and free dirty pokles. That was too far, Stephen. Yeah, you're thinking stuff. I mean, literal plug holes, but okay. We'll move on to some uh, thing, current update Celtic news, and that's uh, the Scottish Cup draw. <laughs> the semi final, we've got the team across the city, uh, Sevco, Ranger, Motherwell, apparently. Oh, no, <laughs> no, but. Uh, there was some news breaking today about the allocation again, right? And there's different stories about this, and there's no fans now, no way fans for the last two fixtures in, in the respective grounds, right? Apparently, Celtic put it to them that they wanted to, that the original allocation back due to safety concerns for the fans. They rejected that, and then Celtic pulled the plug and said, "No, we're not sending our fans in." Then Rangers retaliated again. I think, me personally, they started this shit. I have no objection to the the old allocation coming back. I thought it added to the game. The atmospheres were even better than they are now. And for it needs to go back. To, there needs to be a proper discussion held. They need to stop wetting the fucking pram every time we beat them. Take their beatings like professionals if they can. I'm sure Michael Bale could come up with some mad quote about it anyway. Do, do you not think that that's the way forward in this situation? Instead of doing 700 and then cutting it towards the end of the season? Who's that to? You, Willie. Uh, yeah, I totally agree, mate. Like, it's it's just utter nonsense now. It's like fucking children going back and forth at high school, and and it sounds like Rangers are now like it's my ball. You're not playing. I'm going home. The 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 the, the uh, lamp lampposts are on side to go home. <laughs> um, the full allocation needs to just get put back, and it just needs to stop all this nonsense. And by the way, see as much like. We obviously want fans. We want fans away there, and I, I want their fans to come as well. That's what we're meant to be the biggest derby in world football. And what is that with it? Both sets of fans in there um, showing their passion. It's just nonsense. But to me, having no fans to what what, what was that? What's the allocation? Eight five hundred, eight hundred or something? It's been uh, seven hundred and fifty, I think. There's not much difference I, yeah. that and, and fucking zero, is there? So I'm like, I, I think in this, um, in this instance, I think fair play Celtic. I think they've got have the right to to ask the question, and if they're not, then just pull the puck ourselves and say, you know what, fuck he's then, um, <coughs> and hopefully this, this sort of sparks, sparks the debate again, and the powers that be, um, use their their noggins and actually use their common sense and just and stop all this fucking nonsense and just let fans enjoy the football again because that's what's about yeah. see this see this crap because that's what I hate in, in, in life in general uh, working in an office and there's a lot of women in that's no interest in football but their first thought is oh I see all that it's all sectarians I'm like it's fucking not most of us love our football club it's instilled in us since we're children yeah. Um that last derby game, I had all the boys up. It was just magic. I was sitting in the moment thinking, like, this is what it's about. It's not all that <laughs> fucking nonsense that everybody outside the Celtic and Rangers thinks it is. It's it's passionate fans that in, either's a minority, as there is in every fan base. But um, it's just fans that are passionate about their club and want to fucking support their team. And it's the biggest fucking derby in the world. So stop all this nonsense and just... Aye, that's it. Exactly, mate. 100%. 
um, a small minority ruining it for the for the rest of us, and that's uh, just nonsense. Just fucking concentrating the football and let us enjoy it. Yeah, I seen today on Twitter and stuff about the seven hundred like fans. Apparently, the last game at Ibrox, there was buckfast bottles getting free in. There was coins getting chucked in, and it's, it's, it's a corner. Man. Yeah, you're trapped in a corner. Yeah, and you're both sides of you're covered, and and that is going to happen. So do you think that, like Ross, uh, like, well, he said, I think Celtic are 100% right in what they've done. But again, get back to the old allocation. And Antonio has come in again. What was the difference between 9 and 2018? Do you know what I mean? Right. Listen, right. See if they were going to go to the 750, which they did, right? That's fair enough, right? I don't agree with it, but it's fair enough if that's what they wanted to do, right? But for it then... See for it then stick the 750 fans in that wee corner below two top tier stands who made that decision right because mm. anybody with half a brain knows that they are sitting ducks in there and if Celtic are winning they're going to get stuff rained down on them It's why, why anybody no matter how much hate you've got for the other club, why anybody would throw an object down on top of other fans for a high height is beyond me. There could be kids, no could be, there is kids in there. It's ridiculous, right? But if they're going to keep the 750 allocation, why no give them a section in the the stand where, where we had before, but obviously a smaller area, where there's no, as, I mean, I don't know how much seats. I don't know if it would take just part you of the toys again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much seats it would take, but even if they they had it narrow enough so you could go up both tiers, I don't know how they would work it. See the actual full allocation. Like, see if they're going to shorten it, they should leave the full allocation but empty seats. So there's three or four fucking sections each side that are totally empty with posts in between, then nobody can get anywhere near them. Ah, well, aye, but just don't put them in that corner. It makes aye. absolutely no sense. And, mm-hmm. and for Rangers to decide... I mean, Celtic cut Rangers allocation, but they didn't put them in... I know it's a different stadium, it's a different setup and stuff. They didn't put them in a... Like, it's it's just a tiny wee, like, triangle. They've put them in, and it's, like... It's just beggar's belief that you would put them there. It's just silly. It's ridiculous. But for me, no everybody will agree, but I would love to see it go back to the, the, the original allocation. I agree, because, I agree. And I'll tell you why. The, the, not the semi-final, the, the cup final there. Both sets of fans in the stadium, nobody sitting ducks, that atmosphere. I wasn't there, but you could feel it through the telly coming through. And even... Like, say, I've heard Ali McCoy's talk and talk sport and stuff about the atmosphere, and he alluded to, obviously, that that final, and he says there's there's nothing better than that. And there isn't. I've been at loads, countless Celtic Rangers games at Parkhead, a few at Ibrox, all when it was the old allocation. I've never been when it was 750. But I've, I've been at Ibrox. I was at Ibrox, eh, the... The game after we beat, uh, beat Boa Vista in the semi-final to qualify for the final, went to Ibrox. I think we won two-one. Unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable! Like that, that stand, 
Momo Salah was along for me with the bloody sombrero and at the end of the game and all that. <laughs> Unbelievable. But the atmosphere in that ground that day was electric. Yep. I've been at Parkhead and sat I sat right next to the Rangers fans in the Lisbon Lions stand behind the goals. Uh, Rangers beat us 4-2. Ugo Ekeog, I'm sure he scored their overhead kick. It was absolutely horrible. We were so close to him. It was either the worst or best place to sit. And uh, again, it was absolutely horrible. But the atmosphere, the turn and throwing with the fans, it just adds to the whole spectacle, the whole day, the experience. And I know some people will say, we beat them 3-0 at Parkhead and they weren't there to keep them out and all the rest of it. And it was unbelievable that night, the atmosphere as well. But for me, football is about two teams and the both teams should have a certain amount of fans in the ground. Unless they've done something really bad where the fans have to be kept out, which is obviously extreme circumstance. Excuse me, extreme circumstances. But in general, Obviously, your home fans are going to have a bigger allocation unless you're still taking Rangers going to Rugby Park or something like that. But generally, that's what it is. That's what football's about. And in, in any like sort of walk of life or any entertainment thing where two teams are playing each other, you've got fans for one and fans for the other. It's just... it's For me, we, it needs to go back to that. They need to grow up. We, we went through the 90s a absolute torture getting beat off them at Parkhead and all the rest of it they done huddles when the Hugh Dallas game where he got hurt with the coin and all that it was horrendous but we never cut their allocation and like basically spat the dummy that's what they've done we beat them 5-1 at Ibrox they cut our allocation couldn't they take it couldn't they take us going there and partying oh we're not having that anymore because that's what they do that's we're not like that but sometimes you just have to say fuck you and because, yeah. like, if you've got to do that, but it needs resolved soon because I would like it to go back to how it was. Because in the main, we beat them, and I want us to laugh at them in the <laughs> stadium. <laughs> Sports entertainment. Do you think if, uh, for example, uh, Michael Nicholson, Chris McKay, Stuart Robertson, their chief exec, and Ross Wilson made a read group chat, and one of them sent the the, the bath picture, it would break the ice. I think it'll be all right. Like, I, I think they'll get there in the end. I think it was in the picture. We break the ice. Stay that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, see, I agree, Ross. Like, I really do agree. If, when you watch the games back in two thousands up to twenty eighteen, whatever it was, it was electric. And whether it be at Ibrox or it be a Parkhead, that they brought our allocation, we brought ours. It was unbelievable, and the atmospheres are still great. Today, obviously, when we win, beat them. But like you said, selfish point of view. We want to win these titles in front of their their fans and shove it right up them. I think that's pretty much see what the, we all want to do here. See the thing, see the thing right as well, right? It's not a situation where <clears throat> they've given us a six thousand allocation and we're wanting a eight or ten thousand allocation. They're giving us fuck all anyway. Mm. Like it's not as if like we're so we're not losing it. Seven hundred fans is need is next to nothing different to zero fans. So. It's a perfect and ample opportunity to go, you know what? Stick it right up your ass. And then it's it's but it's really missing out the marketing side of things, isn't it? It's so short sighted and it's I mean if you want to be in the world, Stephen, and you can't even get yeah. the fucking base sets of fans in the uh, it's it's madness. And 
you, you look at the situation. I want to do a couple of comments. There's some great points in here. Red Scotland <laughs> singing about slaying my forefathers is enough for me. Let them back in the fully tooled up Celtic Park. Um, Brown Warrior, that is madness, isn't it? Who, who Dallas tried to buy Rangers for the same <laughs> coin in 2012? Wow. Stoned out, stoned out law. The Hearts fans are the same, yeah. if not worse. Patrick O'Glachlan is confident that they'll want us back in. Um, can you actually imagine a booze license being allowed at Ibrox or Tencastle? Some people, they're, they're, oh fuck, I'm not reading that out. I mean, some some people are in agreement that the allocation should be up. And I get what people are saying, the safety issue, but like you said, Ross, when you had that allocation, there was cops everywhere, stewards were separating them, there was gaps in between them. And if you have that wee corner, it's, I mean, Alistair Jack said it, getting pish chucked at you in seats. That's not safe, and we kids all get hurt, and it's just not good enough. And let's talk about the the draw, Willie. Michael Bill comes out of game with a another comment. His first defeat in nine derby games. He's confident he's ready to go, and I really think if we turn up and we play them, if I arrive on the boat to Stranraer and you pick me up, I think we'll absolutely, I will annihilate them, and we'll destroy them morally as well. Uh, yeah, I, I, I see the more and more he goes on, the, the more I fucking love it. Bring it on. You just keep digging yourself a bigger hole and making yourself look a fool. We talked about it earlier on. It's exactly the same as what Joey Barton did when he came up. Bill's the same. Um, stop mm. talking nonsense. Do your, do your stuff in the park. That's why I love Calmac when he said that. Listen, aye, there's a lot of noise going about. We'll do our stuff in the park. Um, and I'm sure we'll prove it again. Uh, I was, I was, I was hoping we would have missed him. Um, I got them in the final again. Uh, imagine winning a league and then losing two finals to your arch rivals. But Whoa. I mean, that would have been magic. But listen, it'll be another great day. I can't wait. All the boys round again. I have a magic day with all my pals watching the best team in the land. And it's a love that we all share. It's just magic. You could only get days like that and then just cherish. You just got to cherish every one of them because it's you're not here long. And uh, these are the things, these are the days you look back on the last few years, especially with you guys and yeah. getting and, and spending the time you're using and watching the games. It's just, it's just magic. I can't wait again, especially nowadays. I can't wait. I just hope that, um, well, I don't hope I've got a very good feeling that we'll, we'll do the business again and, and Michael Bill will look very, very, very stupid again. What's he been saying? Bit, like, is he said comments he said- after the draw? He came out and he was obviously questioning it. He was like, well, I only suffered my first defeat in nine derby games, Rafferson, when Jarrod was actually manager. So oh, like, he's, so he's, an, he's an absolute, he's a he's roaster. Actually, he's like, probably contradicting himself. He looks like a fuck. He's actually, he, went, he always bangs on about how, well, actually, since I've been in the door, we were nine points behind. We're still nine points behind. So it's not, pretty much it's not my fault. And then yeah. now he goes... Before I was here, I won however many derbies as well. You're contradicting yourself, you fucking absolute watermelon. Everything Michael Beale says is for the betterment of Michael Beale. You know right. what about Rangers? He's covering right. his arse at every turn because he knows when it goes tits up, he can say, well, I tell you this. It feels like to me he's a man under pressure already, talking like that, trying to back himself up with stupid comments and coming out in every press conference, fucking giving the big man, saying he didn't hurt the nine points and first defeat in nine games is it's embarrassing and I think some of their support probably are cringing Ross like you said with all them gimmicks that make, that makes you cringe when you hear them catchphrases but the game itself I mean it's it's a game we're all going to look forward to we're obviously playing them beforehand in the league of Parkhead 
and the I mean the luxury can you call it that of playing a, a League One club or a Championship team in the final? Don't want to underestimate them too much. I don't want to be disrespectful, but is the travel is the travel on? Is the travel going to be talked about even more? What do you think? Um, I'm wary because last season we were talking a more. Last season we were talking, it was coming up to about this time of the season, we were sitting top, of, I think we'd got to the top, we were at the top of the league at this point in the season, mm-hmm. we'd won the, the League Cup, and we were playing, going to be playing Rangers in the semi-final of the Cup, and I said then that I expected a treble because of how we were playing, but I would be satisfied with a double, and I, would, I wouldn't be too too annoyed if we didn't get the treble transpired we didn't get the treble Rangers beat us on the day that could happen again quite easily if we don't turn up mm-hmm. but if Celtic turn up on the day Celtic, the last two games they haven't they, they turned up for the first half in the semi-final and they were they could have been out of sight I don't care what anybody says I've heard Rangers supporters saying that game was really close it wasn't a close game it was it's come for a 2-1 victory, as you're going to see, in my opinion. But it could have been more than 2-1, and especially towards the end. But we didn't play amazing that second half. I think we allowed Rangers to have the ball at times. But yeah. I think if we turn up, if we play like we played in that first sort of 20 minutes at Hearts, we've, we've done it for halves, we've done it for the odd full game, but we've never brought it for a full game. But if we play... I don't know. If we if we play for an hour like we played that first 20 minutes against Harps at Tynecastle, we'll absolutely destroy Rangers in the semi-final. Yeah. And I think that it's a really good thing that we're playing them uh, at Parkhead before that semi-final because I think Rangers coming to Parkhead nine points behind, which it looks like it probably will be. I think if Celtic go 12 points clear, which I expect them, I expect them to beat Rangers at Parkhead, and I expect them to beat them comfortably. Then we're twelve points in front of them going into a semi-final. Fairly confidence. Rangers are coming into that semi-final off the back of two defeats against us. I can only see one winner, but again, you have to be very careful because on the day, anything can happen. It's a semi-final mm-hmm. at the National Stadium, but. If you're going, if you're looking at two teams on paper and the way both teams have performed throughout the season, obviously Rangers are on a bit of a run, but they're still not playing the level of football that Celtic's playing, then you have to say Celtic, at the minute, they should go on and win the treble, but there's many variables that can stop that happening. I totally agree. And Brian Warrior comes in. Seen a lot of this. I heard a wee rumour they're having another cheeky wee uh, share issue this month to pay the bills. Yeah, there's lots of rumours circulating because I haven't released their annual account yet. But Ross, come back to what you said. The treble, for me, I, I'd be disappointed if it doesn't happen. I think this is a golden golden nugget to get it and put it over the line. Rangers aren't the best at the moment. Uh, I, I expect us, like you said, to beat them comfortably at home. And I think I'll just leave that. I mean, if you look at their players too, Kent's out of contract, Morelos is out of contract, I think six or seven first-team players are looking away or looking at their futures. So again, I don't really see a, a massive issue here. I don't want to be kind of downgrading that, but I do get what you mean in terms of the National Stadium as a cup semi, anything can happen. Paul Dad said, could we start again? But Antonios has come in here. Summary, 
Bernie and Calmack talked and they're uncomfortable after. Agreement to have having three Awadas across the midfield would be the best starting team. <laughs> then, then away fan, fan allocation chat. <laughs> Pretty well summed up, Antonio. So you can do my Twitter things from now on. That's 100%. <laughs> it's, you mentioned last season, Ross the Treble, you, you expected because of how we were playing, right? This season for me, William, I think it's a given for how we're playing. If we don't get the Treble, would you be majorly disappointed? Yes. Elaborate, no, no elaboration. Yeah. I just think we're playing the best football I've ever seen in my generation at, at Celtic Park, and I mean we played some great football under Rogers and uh, Tommy Burns and <coughs> and Martin O'Neill and, and the rest of it. But like the football, the actual football we're playing now is is nothing like I've ever seen. We're absolutely blowing every team out of the water. Um, I said it before, even like, like Hart scored against us the other night. I like, I feel like they could have scored two or three, and I still would have had. Faith that we're going to win the game. That's how confident I'm in this team. Um, I don't think that... I mean, like you say, there's obviously variables, but I think if we get to the final, I'd be I'd be majorly confident that we're going to bag the Scottish Cup. Um, so it's the semi-final to get through. I don't think that uh, the Rangers are a, a great side. To be honest with you, I think that the last, I think, I think the last two games that we've played against them, we've been under par and still, still came away with without defeats. Um, I think the the two all league games they were, they were playing, they played a, a very high level for their, and and we were below par for the draw. If I'm being honest, yeah. Um, and I think I, I totally agree with Ross. I think that that League Cup final could have finished. I know they had a chance or two, but like we had another three or four chances that we could have buried as well. Axabanovich, aye, Axabanovich, yeah. Um, I just think that, um, like I said, it's rock and roll football, and I, I like, I just can't see anybody, um, I can't see anybody in our path stopping, stopping our way to glory. But I've been wrong before. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the team I mean, like, like I said the team is electric now and I think uh, it's so exciting I, I mean some of the players we've got now are, are just I said that we, I said in previous podcasts in, in the transfer market that we can only sign a certain level or a certain ability but I mean mm-hmm. the guys we are bringing in um, they might be unknowns but by god some talent we've got Unknown gems that Pasta Kogu is uh, unearthing for us at the minute. Brown Moria again comes in. Sorry, I honestly think that we could put a, a second 11 out for a full league season and finish in the top two. Comfortably. Aye, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Brown Moria, I think Martin Lee's team are too strong for this current side. The football may be better on the eye, but the competition isn't the best. I mean, struggling in Europe to win games. Uh, I, we've we spoke about that before. Um, Alzer Jack, guys, I'll leave you with this. Five travels in seven seasons would put eight, seven up in terms of travels unthinkable before Rodgers come in. 100% Alistair. But what Brian Moyer said there, Ross, is kind of bringing me on to my next point. I don't know if you've seen, did you manage to see what Craig Levine said? Have no, I've gone down south and, uh, and yeah. plowing money, money in the league and all the rest of it. He's a fucking sausage banger, by the way. So Craig Levine, Ross, basically came out and he was interviewed <laughs> about Celtic and, and Rangers. And Rangers are uh, going into uh, the Premier League. 
Aye. And he said he would he would love that to happen only if they pump fifty million a season back into the SPFL. What what do you think about that? That are suggesting as as William said, fifty million crackpot. <laughs> yeah, crackpot. Uh, Craig Levine, fucking the guy that played no striker in the Czech Republic. Get the fuck, pal. Exactly. <laughs> I went back and teach geography. Yeah, fucking garlic man. Uh, <laughs> would you take him though? Like, like, no, in all seriousness, the, the chat seems to be coming back up. Would you take him down to England? Would you go? I, yeah. I would, I, I, I would start for the boat, man. Uh, mm. I, I definitely would. I actually was listening. I, I listened to Talk Sport. Uh, it was Harry Redknapp was on the other day, and he said that he thinks. Well, at, at the time when it was sorted, it was talked about for a, a while. He said that he would have took them, uh, and he, he believes that they would do really well, and they would be right up there challenging the top after four or five years. Uh, Martin O'Neill was asked today when he was on, and he he was he was on board with them going down. He says obviously not everybody would be, but it's it's for Celtic and Rangers to fulfil their full potential without losing the soul of being owned by a, a state that's the only way I see us being able to fulfil our potential is to be able to go down south it would obviously be a few hard years um, Rangers will know that better than most but um, aye, I think it would be well worth it in the end I think we would get into that Premier League but do I think it's going to happen? Absolutely not because Southampton's, I don't know, Southampton's, Brighton's, I know they're doing well now, but they'll not always be flying high in sixth position. Their teams are not going to want Celtic and Rangers to go down south because at some point they could take their Premier League place. I think it's it's quite interesting having the chat. I, I know we spoke about it before, but it, like you said, Ross Martin Lee was speaking about it. TalkSport, for some reason, do speak, speak about it quite a lot, especially Simon Jordan, when the SPFL teams were brought up. And you look at it, Willie. I love having this conversation with people at work. They're fair, like not ignorant, right? But like a Manchester United fan or whatever, or a Chelsea fan, like you just wouldn't do it in England. You'd be relegated. You should go bust and all that. You know what I mean? It's that kind of arrogance that I don't like. I think Ross is right. If it done it properly and started in the Vanarama or whatever National League South with fucking Wheelstone Town, all them types of teams and made that journey through the links, I think it'd be an absolute fairy tale because I think we would do it season after season after season and we'll get up there. And I know there is traditional people, and I'm going to say maybe like yourself, Willie, who would, would like to see that happen in terms of going down to England. I, w- I wasn't on the tune with it, but at the end of the day, my grandma's a big advocate of it. If there is a time and a place to do it, I mean, Harry Redknapp spoke about it recently, like Ross and Martin O'Neill spoke about it. There has to be an opportunity for this to be re- revisited or even tried out with a, a cup competition. Like the Irish teams over here and the Northern Irish teams, they compete in the SPFL Trust Trophy and they play like the likes of Queen's Park, play Limfield or uh, Alloa, play Shamrock Rovers, for example, kind of the extreme one there. But there has to be some way we can uh, like get into some competition with these English teams to see how it goes. Uh, it's not for me, I'll be <coughs> honest. I wouldn't be wanting us to go down, down there. Um, How the fuck no? Like, <laughs> I'm going to explain. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, I'm a very patriotic Scot. I know that doesn't believe. I know that's like, uh, 
like it's not got much relevance, but I just think we're Scottish and we shouldn't be gone down there. I, just, I don't know. It just doesn't sit right with me. It's like putting a skirt on your brother and calling him your sister. I just don't think it's right. <laughs> <laughs> I do believe if we went down there with the fan base and yeah. the rest of it, that after a number of years we should be, uh, or pronouns, sorry, we don't discriminate here in the south. I think if we did, you managed to make that worse. You managed to make that worse. I think if we did go down there, that um, after a number of years, obviously it wouldn't, it wouldn't be happening straight away. But I reckon we could, we most definitely can compete with the best. And uh, like I, I, and I think we could attract the greatest players in the world and all the rest of it. But I think somebody said there, it's like selling your soul. For me, that would be my opinion. I just think it wouldn't. It just wouldn't sit right with me. I don't think it's, uh, it's, uh, I, uh, it's, we're, we're Scottish. We're in the Scottish league, and that should be that's who, who we should be representing. In my opinion, what you said there about like some sort of British Cup, I would be all for that. I mean, you could probably you could, I don't know if you would ditch the two league cups, but uh, you know what I mean. In, in place of that, maybe having a British a British Cup or something like that, I'd be. I know they shouldn't have been at either, Alistair. See, I wouldn't be on board with a, a British Cup. No, no. I, I, I like I like our domestic cup. I'd be up for that, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't want us moving away. It's it's like for me as well. I get what you're saying, right? But the SPFL, let's be honest with ourselves here. It's never going to get a big load of money. It's never going to. You know what I mean? It's never going to be invested in. The stadiums are all dilapidated. Facilities are going. It's like. We should be him and her. I love Scottish football. You know, you know, guys. I've said it plenty of times before. I love watching whatever sports scene over match of the day, and, and I do. I'm not just saying that. I really do watch them like Ross County play Hibs and stuff because the passion and rawness is still there. But I, I want Celtic to be the best version of Celtic, and it doesn't necessarily mean go down and selling your soul. It's going down and exploring new opportunities and I, new financial gain, new new wealth and well, new caliber player coming in. See when this whole Super League stuff nonsense came out, were you not right against all that? No, I didn't. I said, I said, I asked the question: Would people be for Celtic? I was on, I was on the fence for. It. I wasn't against it. I, See, was I just fence. think a lot of people flew the handle off and said, "You're selling your soul to the devil with the Super League." And I just think that Celtic and Rangers going to the going down south would be the exact same as that, in my opinion. See, Selling I don't think for money and all the rest of it. And I, I don't think they are because the way I look at selling your soul is if one of these states it's never going to happen but if they took over Celtic right but, well put it this way right if if Celtic and Rangers went down south I don't think that's selling your soul I think that's t- taking an opportunity put in front of you to fulfil your potential mm-hmm. and in, in terms of that there's no there's no guarantee that you're going to win the English Premier League but getting there and giving yourself that opportunity to do better and maybe do better in uh, the Champions League and stuff like that. And obviously, I know cash injections come with that, but you you, you have to earn it because you've started at the, the, the bottom tier of the English League and worked your way up. So you've, you've, you've then earned that cash injection just like any of the other teams that are in the, that have made it into the Premier League, who weren't in it in its inception, if you like. But in terms of an oil-rich guy coming in and buying the club, 
and taking us to another level. I think that's selling your soul. Aye, I wouldn't because, want that either. No, I wouldn't want that. I definitely wouldn't want that. But I think because that that's like a guy just comes in, boom, you've got the money, and right, you're just spending money, and you, you've just got it. You've done nothing to get it. But if you go down to England and say, right, okay, we'll start at the bottom, because why should we go right into the Premier League? That would just be wrong, morally wrong. But if we go, okay, right, we'll start at the bottom, we'll work our way up. I think you've then earned it. So I would agree with not, that. Uh, I totally would agree with that. But again, it still doesn't <clears> sit right with me that a Scottish team would be playing in an, in an English. I understand. League. I, I take that point as well. By the way, I do. But and the only other alternative would be a UK wide league with one top division and the rest amalgamated into separate divisions. I that would be interesting. I think we're in as good a place as we've ever been at the moment. This moment in time, our club financially. Right. Yeah, uh, I agree. Staff and all the rest of it, and I just think that if we're talking about trying to better ourselves, I think that just needs to be Champions League. We need to try and I don't know. You need you need money for that, and that's like that's that's what we're talking about. But I just think that that's why we should just be looking at progressing that year on year. And yeah. By the way, I'm not unhappy with the club right now. I'm I'm more no, no, than no. content with the way we are. But if that opportunity was put in front of me, I I would. Grab it with both hands. If you had like a drop down menu of comments, you should be looking elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> looking for a bigger league. And I get the arguments. I want to bring Brian Warrior in. Uh, nothing lasts forever, William. Football's moving in a different direction. We're already seeing the club, big clubs pushing for a close shop in Europe. It's coming. Red Scotland, Ken in your camp, Willie. How do we as Celtic promote our core values as a club and people? If we're paying EPL wages of 100k per week to players, how does that marry up? And then Brian Moore here again, you can either sit in your morals and get left behind and embrace the change and hope to be part of it. We are Celtic, not where we play. What do you think about that? Them comments, Willie? Really? I think that if, like, I, I understand that. If that's the move, if that's the way football's moving and that's what happens, then yeah, but that's a total different conversation. That's another, that's like, yeah. if we're talking European Super Leagues and all the rest of it, and that's what happens, then. Yeah, I'd be more open to it because that's that's just that's the direction and that's where football. <laughs> wow! Any political broadcast by Danny here, Danny? That's not what is happening. And that's the direction that's going. Um, then and, and that's where football's moving. In that moment in time, then I would probably would be more open to it. But that's not. He says it's coming. I don't see it coming anytime soon. I think that's fucking twenty ten twenty. 30 years away. Well, I, I, I think it's I, 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 for having conversations, but the, the, there was conversations last year and within uh, within a week, it was uh, everything was shut down and everybody pulled yeah. out because it was uh, because the money... It was crazy. It's exact same. I, like, nobody follow, I probably nobody follows golf, but exact same in golf. They would have all moved away to this with uh, the Saudi money. And... All these golfers have moved, and it's like, listen, you move, that's it. You're not fucking coming back. And now, that's kind of it's not, it's not, it's not progressing as they would have hoped. And they're stuck in limbo now. And I think it's the exact same things happened with the Super League, but the teams have actually went shot the nest and thought, maybe we're not as powerful as we thought we were. We better go back. You're, you're, mm. I think, I think with that, you're destroying the the history and the you're sucking all the love at the sport for me. If you're doing stuff like that, 
I understand that, by the way. I do, I, 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 and you make a good point. But I'll, I'll, I'll put to you, like if we did go down south, right, and we, we started at the bottom and we worked our way up, and I don't know, just for talking sake, a scenario, right, if we got to the Premier League and we finished, I don't know, we finished top four, right, and then the following season, we went and got like third, and we won the Champions League. Would you be like, it's not really sitting well with no, me? No, no, of course I wouldn't. If the decision was made the morrow that we were away, I would be mega disappointed. Mega, mega disappointed. But there's no way to stop me following my club. Ah. This is my first love. And like, I love Celtic more than fucking anything in the world. It's my first love and always will be that. Like, I, I always, always support them through the, the good and the bad. But I would be majorly disappointed. Saying that, after about three years, I'd probably forget all about it. <laughs> because it'd just be the norm. It would just be Once the norm. Once you take something forty like, times, yeah. that's it. It's just normal. Aye, aye exactly. But I, mean, I just, aye, I just, I just think, <clears throat> I just think something like that would suck all. Aye, see, see, Scottish Cup or the FA Cup when you've got minnows, tiny teams coming to big, big teams and all that. That's football for me, absolutely. He's spoken. Awfully. We have to stop. It's <laughs> <laughs> came in for the garden. Icicle singing up the beak. Um, Is that? It's on the picture. I see for me, fucking, uh, what are they called? What was the middle team that beat Aberdeen this year? Darvel. All the rest of that. That's football. Darvel, yeah. That's magic. That's football. Not this. Just watching the Champions League the last couple of nights. Fucking. Absolute, like, I'm Wally. I, I'm 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 on the next seat besides the big man. I really am. <laughs> but if someone goes to me, look, here's a couple of hundred million quid for Celtic. You're taking it, like, to me, you're, you're taking it in the bank, and you're you're hoping to improve the squad. And I kept the whole the moral argument and the history. Let's let's be fair here. I mean, there's clubs in Scotland that make up their own history, so we're not really bothered in that sense. We're yeah, selling. We're going to. All we talk about I know exactly. All Celtic plan on about is how their history and how they're proud of the traditions and all the rest of it. I think if they went and did that, that would totally contradict what. But Dermot Desmond's a billionaire. He's a billionaire. So we're all a billionaire, What about, like, you're talking about the history and all that, right? Celtic won a European Cup. They've got a great history and all that, right? Bayern Munich won European Cups years ago. Great history. But they've got loads of money now because they play in a different league for Celtic, right? Why why are they more deserving and why is the soul not out of their club when mm. they get were given this money? But if Celtic take that money, they lose the soul. That Bayern oh, really? still got a great history. Oh, really? They're still looked at as a massive club, a great club. They play in Germany. Germany, for whatever reason, they've got but they, they've got more money going into them for TV Aye. and stuff. But why why is the soul not ripped out of them? Why is the soul not ripped out of Man U? These are big clubs. The, I don't understand the question. What, so well, they've not well, moved. Well, they, 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 they're still. I I I I take that point. Aye, fair enough. But still, they <laughs> they've had cash injections. Lucky they've they've been lucky to be in. The league they're in, but they, they they well let's let's say they've been kept at that level, whereas Celtic have been diminished year on year. 
because teams like that, who Celtic are as big as, are being kept at that level and everything, the way football works, is pushing Celtic down further and further away. So why should we not take a piece of that pie? No, and I understand why, that. And keep our history like they have. I understand that, but it's, it's exactly like... It, it, like if the money was in Scottish football, I wouldn't disagree with you if, if that was the case. But it's, I'm not, we're not jumping ship. And I just think, similar to what you said earlier about McStay being in that era where it, it was just mm. shit, just tough luck. We're just we're in this league. It's not the best league in the world, but that's fucking where we are. Aye. Listen, there, there's there's pros and cons to it all. Oh, 100%. That's why we're, deb- that's why we're debating. Yeah. But I mean, I think in... To kind of round it off, I think in fifteen years, uh fifteen years time, we'll, we will be in the SPFL. I, I don't think we will be. That's no slant on. I think football move on a lot during that time. Um, I, Tony Austin's like, in. I tell you about Eddie Howe, and I tell yeah. you would leave the league in like thirty year time. Yeah, <laughs> if we okay. won the Champions League, would you be disappointed, <laughs> William? Uh no, that pretty much rounds it up. I'm not Tony Austin. We'll move on from the, the EPL chat. As Danny Boy said, we're trying to make Celtic British on some bodies day. Words for absolutely not, by the way. We're just kind of debating it. We'll move on. What are we? An hour and a half in, guys. This this is a Friday. Usually us three. Then a Japan squad, Ross. And you seen the, the interview today with Dan Orowitz, and we were kind of breaking down the comments by the Japanese manager when he was brought in saying he was questioning the level of Scottish football. People jumped on it. But all Dan was trying to do when he explained to me was translate quickly off the bat what that manager was saying. In terms of Kyogo and Atate, he referenced them and said that they, 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 they can be and will be special players for Japan. But at the moment, Dan said he wants to give other players a try in that Japan national team. But he would become concerned if it got to the summer and none of them were called up. Is that a fear of thinking? Because we spoke about Atate maybe on the Kyogo, maybe looking for passers new if they kept getting overlooked by the Japan boss. Dan did his best to squash the, the kind of talk today, but he did give me a warning. If it gets to summertime, then you'll be you'll be they'll be going, what's going on here? For me, them not getting picked for that Japan squad, there's been far too much onus put on it in terms of like they're they're gonna get restless and want to leave and play in a, a better league and stuff like that. Even with Carter Vickers hasn't been picked for the USA squad and they're saying the same thing, like, that's not good either. Well, these guys are probably going to want to go. For me, like I say, I think there's been too much onus put on it. I think that Kyogo, I think he's getting to an age now where that manager's maybe just not going to pick him. Mm-hmm. He might, he might, because he has playing well, he might force his way in, but Dan Orlovitz said the way he's that guy, uh, the J- Japanese manager's playing the now, it's more suited to uh, um, Maeda playing up top rather than because they're they're not playing like that Ange ball, they're playing more like hitting teams on the counter and stuff like that, and Maeda works better for it. Um, but <clears throat> you look at like... Uh, they're talking about Hatate, CCV, these guys might want to move on to Pastures New. These guys will move on to Pastures New. There's absolutely oh, no yeah. doubt about it. Yep. No doubt about it. But they won't move on to Pastures New because they want to um, give themselves a better chance of playing for their national team. They'll move on to Pastures New because they're playing well for Celtic and teams want, want to buy them. 
and then when when they do do when they move to wherever they move to, which will be a better league in Scotland, then if they keep performing for the the the, the team they go to in the bigger league, then the national team stuff will take care of itself. But at the same time, okay, Hatati's not been getting picked, right? But I look at it in the sense, Maeda got picked, right? So that tells me maybe the the position he plays in is maybe not as competitive as the position Hattie plays in. It might be be a really difficult position to get into. I don't know for certain, but it's just a, a, a possibility. I look at CCV. He's came in. He's played at a World Cup. It, like he, he wasn't getting back for the USA. He bounced from club to club. He came into Celtic. He got picked for a World Cup. Went and represented his country off the back of playing well for Celtic. So this whole myth that these guys are not getting picked. There's hundreds of examples of players getting uh, that have played for Celtic and play for. Abada gets picked for his country. Now, I know that yeah. he's no as a quality sort of level a national team as what we're talking about with maybe Hitati, USA are on the up. But um, CCV will, will get picked again for the USA squad playing for Celtic, in my opinion. Yeah. You look at yeah. guys, one example, Lustig stayed at Celtic for seven years. He got picked for almost every Swedish squad there was playing for Celtic doesn't hinder your chances of getting picked for your national team unless you're English because you've got the English snobbery because they are the closest Correct. to us they they, they, they look down their nose at the Scottish League <laughs> but they do like, I, I'm, like I'm sitting here now like I've been championing for Celtic to go into the English League <laughs> But then at the same time, now I'm talking, but they do. Well, he's like us. Well, they, they do. They sound like Franny. They do, but <laughs> they, these guys playing for Celtic, what, isn't the reason they're not getting picked for the national squad? Because, and I think that argument's strengthened by the fact that Maeda's been picked. It's just down to the quality of player that's maybe getting picked in, the, in front of them in their position. And by the way, Dan Orlowitz said it, that, that, like if, if they get picked, in the whatever was it like the October international or the June one or yeah, something like that. Yeah, can't mind. But they've got uh, like Hatati, whether it be at Celtic or at another club, Hatati will play for that Japanese squad. He's too good not to. I don't know why he's not getting picked right now, but it's not because he's playing at Celtic. Absolutely yeah. not, in my opinion. I, I totally agree with you, and Dan Orham has kind of confirmed that as well. And Tony Oz comes in here, William, standard of football is not it for me. Look at Mieda, he's getting picked. Japan coaches empowered by the last 16 result of the World Cup to stick to his core players and tactics, right? And this is what you always say to me, especially <laughs> when I'm on Twitter. Don't believe everything you read. And when I seen the, the Japan manager question the, the level of the Scottish League, I was like, oh no, here we go again, signaling that these players are going to move on. That'll be the next rumour coming out the door. And then basically, like a schoolboy this morning, Dan broke it down bit by bit for me what he actually meant. And it wasn't that at all. What Dan said, he has over 60 European Japanese based players to look at, which is a lot. There's players who play in the Bundesliga, the Premier League, Serie A, La Liga, 
which obviously get prioritized because they're top quality leagues. And then Atate and Kyogo don't necessarily play the same football as Antonio said there as a Japan manager. Ross said it's counter-attack, which is why Mieta suits it well. So that's the reason probably why they haven't picked as much. And then Dam on to say Kyogo had his chance but didn't necessarily take it. So mm-hmm. that could probably lead to him not being called up again in the future. Do, do you think with these sorts of things that, again, it's the hype created by newspaper articles saying the Japan manager's questioning this, followed by, will these players move on? And then Carter Vickers thrown in the mix and not getting picked for USA. I think it's just something made out of nothing. Um, I, I, with the papers, absolutely. Like you said, I always I, I always bang on about it. It was happened with Yakamakis recently where he said he's happy to be moving. It. This, this, the headline was he's, he's been happy to move to a more competitive league. Uh, happy to get out of Celtic or something like that. And then when you actually read the article, what he said was a different team wins it every year. So it's fairly competitive. Mm. So they just spin it to do their narrative. It does my nothing. But um, with regards to the national team, I've not, I've not, I was working, so I've never seen, uh, <laughs> I've never seen, uh, I think Dan fucking burst two strings in it at the cup final. So I hate to restring it. So you're not getting fuck out of me tonight. Um, <laughs> uh, I've not seen the podcast this morning because I was working, but I'm going to watch it tomorrow. So I've not had an in-depth. Um, but for what you're saying, if they're playing a, counter-attacking game, then I've never seen anybody better than Kyogo in the counter and his movement and getting forward, so it, like, it blows my mind that he's not getting picked. And I, like, I'm no football manager, and the, the the manager of the Japanese national team clearly is is far more qualified than me. Um, I, Just I, a bit. I, I, yeah, but I watched it. Well, I don't know. I've been playing football manager since it was champ manager in like 97 or something. But... Uh, like I watched the World Cup games, and like if you watch the three World Cup games they played, and tell tell me that Hatati and Kyogo wouldn't improve that team, then I'm just watching a different game. Um, Dan basically said that this morning. Did he? So I'm paraphrasing yeah. as well. No, no, <laughs> so no. I, I was asking game. about. I no, I was asking would Hatati do a job, and he was like, he didn't really know because of the system they played. And see what they said about as well. What you're saying about how he said. They can do a job, but I want to give other people a chance. Has Hatati even got a cap yet? I don't even think he's no. got one cap, has he? So how the fuck is that giving no. other people a chance? Hatati this season for me has been the best player in the league, and I, and I don't even think it's close. Honestly, I think he's been that good. People will disagree. I know there's been other wonderful players. Kalmak, uh, Kyogo, can he stop scoring? And she's also and all the rest. Porius. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but for me, he's head and shoulders above everybody in the league at the moment, and like I, I just, it just baffles me how he doesn't he doesn't even get a, a call up. It, it really, really does, and especially even more so. The more and more I hear about the way they play, um, it, it, it baffles me even more. Especially with Kyogo, his move, Kyogo's movement up front is spectacular. I've never seen anything like it at Celtic Park. The movement is unbelievable. And how you, I always think about how we always talked about with Yakamakis and uh, O to an extent where if Kyogo's not working, it's something totally different. So if he thinks Kyogo doesn't suit that style, then why not fling him on? Because it's something different as well, if you're looking at it for that side of things. But I mean, like I said, he's far more qualified than me. They've got some 
big name players now. Like you said, there's a lot of Bundesliga <coughs> players. Um, uh, Matoma, that's it. Brighton and I was yeah. flying. So they've got they've got um, some good good players, but um, yeah, as soon as I seen that report about how the league wasn't good enough, I, I thought that must be nonsense because he's picked Maeda, so that totally <laughs> dispels that uh, that statement, that argument. Um, glad to see Maeda getting called up. I think he's been absolutely superb this year as well. But uh, I, it's a strange one for me without having full knowledge of the Japanese. Uh, structure in the Japanese leagues and the Japanese players. Uh, like these two are absolutely electric, um, just as yeah. good as I've seen at Celtic Park in the last however many years. And and a lot of the players that I've seen in the previous years are are getting called up to their national teams, so it's baffling. But in the same token, um, it's good for Celtic. Uh, <laughs> these guys aren't going away with the possibility of getting injured and the rest of it. But like you know me and my passion for the national side, and I think most are the same. Although I would disagree with one thing Ross said about they're not going to leave Celtic because they're not getting um, they're not getting time in the national team because I, I believe players would do that. Uh, but I think Miranovic said that's why he left. Did he not? That he's if he was going to be playing second fiddle, he'll not be playing with the national team, so he had to leave. I know that's he did. He did. for fucking. Aye, but that's no, that's not because of the league. That's because he's not getting a game for Celtic. Aye, that's true. Aye, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, aye, I agree that I, 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 I think playing for your national team is like the, the highest honour. So. If that's the case, and people see elsewhere, but saying that, I don't understand how the fuck going away and playing for Southampton um, makes you uh, more feasible to be picked than it is playing for a for a team winning trophies and playing Champions League or European football. But that's just me. That, that's the bit that baffles me. Going to the mid-table team battling relegation, and they're getting picked ahead of players. Like, um, I think the interesting thing, Dan, did tell me to have qualifiers or to have friendlies in Europe in June, so I think they're looking to see if they get called up then, and, no, and if I'm not, that might, be, that might be a bit of con- concern if Atate is not called up. Like, like just, I said in the group chat, how long is it till you get Scottish citizenship? Five years? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Hopefully Atate <laughs> doesn't get called up for another three years, and then there we are, he's in the midfield with Cal Mack and John McGinn. <laughs> That's dynamite. I'll be, I'll be dynamite. And come to the comments that the round us bit off. Uh, Brian Warrior, my only criticism of Kyogo has been the fact he seldom gambled at the front post, but now he's doing that and getting more goals. Antonio Os, Kyogo's speed and mobility are key in this game. This is not going to improve at 8 31 32 come the next World Cup. Um, and Brian Warrior, his game is still developing on the hands, which at his age is a good thing. It shows he doesn't think he's a finished article yet. 100%. We all know Kyogo and Atate. Unbelievable players, and I like you said, Ross. They'll be in that Japan squad. They will be, if not Kyogo, definitely Hatate, hundred percent. But they kind of will have a game lads tomorrow. We'll go to talk about this Hibs game just briefly. I know we're nearly two hours in, and people stuck with us. I do appreciate that. Usual Friday night with us. Ten Hibs tomorrow. Lee Johnson coming in. The guy who again, he's a, he's a talker. Like uh, up and down this season, some good players like Yuan at the in the left. You know, from that. Campbell midfield. He's a talker, like he does. He talks a lot of shit. Still <laughs> here, um, Rocky I Mashiri. Like jackets. Oh, you do. I knew you like the jackets. So the I like these trainers. <laughs> I love slush. 
No, but they do have a couple. Of, <laughs> they, do, <laughs> they do have a couple of good players. Like to be fair, them, but they've been up and down, inconsistent. Working in, I think we're missing Nawada, we're missing Mieta, but everyone else is fit. Are you confident? Moy, Moy, sorry, thanks, Bob. Maybe I about that. Is he fit? Is he? Sorry, I got that mixed up. Man. But what, are you confident tomorrow going to this game? Sell out as well at Celtic Park. So what are you feeling? Is that for me? Well, it's for, I said, oh, Willie. Willie. Willie, I never, I never, never heard you. I never said, well, I was waiting as well. Uh, yes, I'm in the bath. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um, Hibs are going all right. Lee Johnson's done a decent job recently because I know they had a wee bit of dip in form and there was calls for his head. I quite like him. quite like the fact that he's coming out afterwards. And I know I've got a, a couple of friends that are big, big Hibs fans. I was talking to one last week and he doesn't like the fact that Lee Johnson comes out and says, says, like, say, <laughs> um, see the comments last time about how he's like, my, I've, I've faced Man City and the Celtic side are right up there with them. They're the best side I've faced and all that. My mate who's a big Hibs fan didn't like that. He's like, I want somebody like Neil Lennon that'll fucking put the needle in and all the rest of it. But uh, obviously, as us, we appreciate that for him. I think he's done a decent job there with the squad he's got. Yeah, I agree. Um, but he said as well, he says, listen, we were going great, but coming to you next week and I'm absolutely fearing an absolute thumping. And I think that's what most teams feel like at the moment. I know I would if it was me. Uh, I'd be probably sitting behind the couch um, watching the games coming to, uh, coming to us because, like I said, rock and roll football, we could put our second team out and still be dominant, score goals for fun. So like I am every week, I'm, I'm supremely confident in Hopefully, go out and put on a show again. Yeah, totally agree. I'm actually really looking forward to the game. Bear in mind if the connection I get stays up, which has been annoying me in the last couple of weeks. But coming to you, Ross, is tomorrow going to be the day for double figures? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. No, um, Hibs have been like Wally said there. They've been going pretty well. They had started. They started the season no bad, and then they had a like. The middle part between the start and now, eh, was a real dip. I I went to my mate who's a Hibs supporter took me to the hospitality at Livy, eh, and it was Livy Hibs, and oh my god, Chippy they were abs, eh? Chippy Valen for your food? Uh, no, it was it was actually quite good. It was the food creations <laughs> and all that, but I eh, <laughs> Hibs were. Absolutely, Livy played well. Don't get me wrong, but Hibs were absolutely chronic. And then, ironically, I was at a hospital at Parkhead, and it was Celtic Hibs. They weren't as bad that day, but Celtic were just too good. I can't. I think it was six one five six, six one. It was I something yeah. like that. It was you a big the score anyway. Day, didn't you? Nah, I did. I <laughs> <laughs> well, you've seen me later that night. Oh, well, that's right. Yeah, we were in a we room that night. Aye. Um, so, I, I, again, like every week, you go into it, you're confident. The way Celtic are playing, even when they're not at their ultimate best, they click into gear for enough time in a game to score two or three goals. Yeah. And sometimes even more than that. I'm confident and I expect a victory and I expect a a victory by a good margin, but double figures, absolutely not. <laughs> Score prediction, Ross. What are you going for? 
Uh, I think somebody said it in the comments there. 5 0. 5 0. Willie, what about yourself? Um, I'll go 4. 4 0. I'll go. 22 to 1. <laughs> I'll go 3 I'll 0. Go I think we'll win 3 0. I think it'll be quite a comfortable game. Like Franny says, a comfy win, extending our points gap. Who, they're playing Mullerwell on Sunday, aren't they? Or is it tomorrow again? But I uh, know the Mora, first again. Are they for Park, though? Aye, but they're playing yes. first again. Nah, I know that. Who gives a shit? That's a conscious, anyway. conscious decision, by the way. I don't care what MD <laughs> says. Take the pressure off Rangers. We'll do our job. We keep winning. We'll win this league, no problem. We'll probably win it by more than nine, like you said, if we beat them. But, uh, lads, it's been a great podcast. A usual Friday night disaster with <laughs> us for you having a laugh and all that. <laughs> have you enjoyed it? I have. Brilliant. Great laugh. Very funny. Love <laughs> <laughs> If anyone hasn't seen it, I did the interview with Dan Orovitz this morning. Catch it up on the YouTube that. channel or whatever. Just get, get on, on and have it. a It's really good. It's really yeah. good. If you if you've learned anything tonight, I mean two decks in the bath. That's all you need to know. Until Monday after the Hibs game, hopefully celebrating a good result. Stay well, keep safe. Hill hill. I'm the bath. <laughs> Stephen's a dick. <laughs>